Welcome to Above Par. I'm your host, Kathy Hartwood. I show you how to take more of your talent to the golf course without practicing harder, taking more lessons, or buying new equipment. I show you how to end the frustration of underperforming so you can start playing to your potential. This is where you are going to learn how to think above par so you can play below par. Let's get to it. Hello, my golf friend, and welcome to Above Par. It's nice to have you back. I think I say that every time. I need to shake that up. I'm going to shake that up next time. I don't know what I'm going to say, but I'm going to shake it up next time. So whether you're listening on the podcast or you're watching me on YouTube, I would really appreciate a subscribe, a like, a comment, anything that helps more people find me and the algorithms get fired up, whatever they do. It's just so more people can help their golf games with this information. So if you could do that, I would really appreciate it. So this topic today is about procrastination, and it really is something that hits home for me. I knew I was going to talk about this topic, or this was going to be one of the topics of a podcast, because when I started this whole podcast, perfectionism had reared its ugly head for me again (laughs) in a big, bad way. I thought I had put it away in a closet. I thought I would call myself a reformed perfectionist, but it came up when I started to do this podcast. And I want to talk to you today about what is healthy perfectionism and what is unhealthy perfectionism where it doesn't serve us. I think we can confuse the two of those, right? Sometimes we can label things as perfectionists when it's not. And sometimes we can glorify perfectionism when it doesn't serve people. And so I want to talk about the difference between those and how it shows up in golf. But I do believe this. I believe how you do one thing, you do everything. So that means that if you're a perfectionist off the golf course, it's going to show up on the golf course. You can't separate it. I learned so much from this, that statement on all the different things that I did off of the golf course were a lot of the reasons why I wasn't playing to my potential and I wasn't having as much fun. And I was frustrated all the time with my performance. So it wasn't necessarily about the things that I was doing on the golf course, but it was about those characteristics and fears that I had that were everywhere in my life. And so I want to talk to you about that today. So some of the things that we can do besides perfectionism is off the golf course, it'll show up on the golf course as being overly critical or judgmental. You might be a people pleaser or a victim or emotional responsibility. We might not have off the golf course, and we're definitely not going to have it on the golf course, emotional control. We might also have just a low self-worth, which will show up on the golf course in lots of different ways that you're not able to take your best game out there. You put in all that work, right? You know, you have the talent and you can't maximize it when you have these different things that are getting in the way of you performing your best. So perfectionism is one of them. And I want to talk about it today. So by definition, perfectionism is a refusal to accept any standard short of perfection, right? And I think the big two words in there are refusal and then standard. I think that's the part where we get a little confused because we can have a high standard, which we perceive to be a good thing, right? That is a nice characteristic to have that you have high standards that you're always striving to work harder and improve a better and higher version of yourself and your golf game, right? We have high standards for different things. I think that's a nice trait to have in my opinion, but what comes with that is also having your own back, working hard, but being willing to make mistakes, be willing to fail and learn from your mistakes not making a mean anything about yourself, not connecting your achievement to your identity, having a little compassion for yourself, having realistic expectations and on your own abilities and what you can do. 
and enjoying the ride, the whole process. You just love going through the process of trying to get to that higher standard. I think that's healthy, right? I don't think there's anything wrong with that in my opinion, but perfectionism is that refusal or intolerance for anything short of perfection. That's where we get into trouble. That's where we've crossed the line to where we're in a a state where that's not serving us. And what I mean by not serving us is being that we're not able to take our best talent out on the golf course, but also we just feel crappy. Perfectionism is also tied to a lot of anxiety and stress and anxiety for sure doesn't serve us, right? Nobody, you don't want to live your life in a state of anxiety or stress, right? Especially on the golf course. So, and this is a thing that how it doesn't work with golf so greatly is that golf is not a game of perfect. <laughs> I should write a book, right? So it's just not a perfect game. It can't be, we can't control bounces. We can't control, control rolls or lies or divots or the length of grass or the weather or who we play with. If we're playing in tournaments, you can, if you're playing casual golf, those things are out of our control. So it's impossible for the game to be perfect. Even as humans, we, it's very difficult for us to repeat the same swing, no matter how much we've practiced over and over again. There's evidence of that, just watching the best players in the world who play and practice every single day since they were probably teens or younger make imperfect swings. But when we put that level of perfectionism and wanting to be perfect on our golf game, that pressure that we put on ourselves to perform makes swinging our best damn near impossible. So for me, my first sign of my perfectionism came up in school where I love to make A's. I enjoyed making an A and then it became, I became intolerant of making anything other than A's. Right. And I remember making a poster on the presidents in high school that probably included a little bit of artistic skill, which I, all I can do is about a stick figure. (laughs) That's about it. So I really put a lot of pressure on myself to make sure I did that poster perfectly. I wanted to make sure that I got the A. I put way too much time into it than I needed to put into it. I, it didn't serve me because I put so much pressure on myself and I had a lot of anxiety about what was going to happen on the, on the subjective grade I was going to get. Now, maybe did it serve me in a way that, I mean, I ended up skipping a year of high school because I was such a perfectionist and got, you know, and made good grades. I mean, did that serve me? I don't know. Right. Maybe, maybe, maybe I excelled a little bit quicker than other people. But I did, it did come at a cost, right? I remember that being one of the big moments that sticks out in my head as the first signs of my perfectionism. And it showed up on my golf course, on the golf course for sure. As I competed in college and went on to play professional golf, I became very intolerant of making mistakes. I wanted to play perfect rounds and that put pressure on myself to not make any mistakes. It's impossible to perform. I did not perform my best for sure. But this is the thing we get to define perfect, right? I get to define perfect what it is for me. At what point was that, was that poster good enough for me to submit? At what point was I willing to sit there and go, I, this is as good as it's going to get. And I, and I'm going to go ahead and turn it in. That happened with my podcast. I redid the first couple podcasts of this. That's when my <laughs> perfectionist came back out. The first one, I think I recorded it like eight times. I was not satisfied with any of it. And I, it took me a while. I'm just going to be honest for me to notice, oh boy, my perfectionism is back out. Right. And the reason that I didn't want to hit upload or send or put it out into the universe was I had a tremendous fear of it not being perfect. 
right? I, I reined that back in once I noticed what was going on, right? I had to be willing to put out B minus work. Go ahead and send it out there. Be okay with all my rights and my ums and your nose. I mean, I edited, if you watch some of my earlier YouTube, when I, I recorded them on YouTube, it's so spliced up because I edited the heck out of it. <laughs> I was trying to make it as perfect as I could. It was exhausting. I had so much anxiety and pressure over those first episodes. And this is the thing too. I think in golf, what happens is I don't think technology has served us so well. And I think it's bred a lot of perfectionists like TrackMan. People are just so obsessed with the numbers of TrackMan. I have a love-hate relationship with TrackMan and technology, just to be certain and clear here. I think it serves a purpose, but it's a tool. It is not an indicator of your ability to perform and score. And we use it as that. We use it as being, if my numbers are good, then I'm good, then I'm going to excel. And that you work and work and work towards having these beautiful numbers, which can't break an egg. But I remember I was at a Christmas party, <laughs> this poor guy. And okay, so I had a couple of glasses of wine in me. So I do, my humor gets a little sassier. <laughs> he, we had, had been having conversations about him working so hard on his track man numbers. And so he wanted to give me his results at the end of the season. And I, next time I saw him was at this Christmas party. And he said to me, he's like, Kathy, he goes, my track man numbers have gone from this, this, and this to this. And they have improved whatever indicators he was wanting to share with me. They improved so much and it's unbelievable. Like all my lessons have been paying off and it's just amazing. And I said, you know, that is so great. I'm like, that is so good for you. So what has your handicap gone down right now? Keep in mind that he's probably like a, a teen, high teens on his handicap. And it, he looked at me like I stole his puppy <laughs> and he just, his eyes got really big and his face kind of dropped, his mouth opened a little bit. And he just stared at me like he had this epiphany at the same time that he said, well, my handicap hasn't gone down at all, right? But his TrackMan numbers are great. And he was obsessed all year about his TrackMan numbers. So TrackMan, while I think it's fun and it can be a great tool, it is definitely not an indicator of your ability to perform or if your handicap is going to go down. So I think some of the technology with the, that we can do, while it has a purpose, it can also breed some perfectionists because I know a lot of people who are very obsessed with what their numbers are out there. Right. And that is that just in that's that intolerance to be anything other than perfect. So Brene Brown, if you don't know who she is, she's an American researcher and she's written some books. One of them is the gifts of imperfection. And she has a quote about perfectionists that I want to read you from her data and her research. She said, what emerged for me in the data is that perfectionism is not about striving for excellence or healthy striving. It's a way of thinking and feeling that says this. If I look perfect, do it perfect, work perfect, and live perfect, I can avoid or minimize shame, blame, and judgment. And that's really what it's about. Perfectionism is a fear of failure, a fear of disappointment, a fear of rejection. We're intolerant of feeling that, whether it's what we're, how we're going to treat ourselves or what we're worried what other people are going to think. Right? That's why when you have a healthy standard of reaching high standards rather, right? Then you have your own back, right? You don't have a fear of making mistakes. That's the big difference. Renee goes on to say that perfectionism is the ultimate fear. She says that people who are walking around as perfectionists, they're ultimately afraid that the world is going to see them for who they really are and they won't measure up, right? So interesting, right? We have so many fears around the game of golf 
really fears of making mistakes, fears of being disappointing, maybe people who are supporting you, fears of other people judging you for your score or where you hit a golf ball. Or when you're teeing off in front of other people, we have so much fear about what they'll think about where that ball went. All of that is so restrictive for us being able to take our best swings on the golf course, right? It's such an opposite. What we're afraid of doing, we're doing because we can't possibly take our best swings. I remember I coached this girl in college and she, she told me that she said, all she wanted to do was play a perfect round of golf. She just wants to play perfect, perfectly. (laughs) whichever is perfect. (laughs) And I said, okay. I said, let's define perfect. Let's start. Let's start. We're on the first hole. Tell me, tell me what your round looks like. What define perfect? She said, well, I hit, you know, most of the balls in the fairway. And then I hit, I hit it on the green. I said, what club you hit in? She goes seven iron for the most part. I said, okay. So where are you hitting it? She goes, you know, you know, 10, 15 feet. I said, okay, great. And she said, and then what's the rest of the round look like? She goes, well, she goes, when I chip, I'm chipping them close. I said, whoa, wait a minute. It's like you're chipping. I mean, that means you missed a green. I said, so that's not perfect. She goes, well, yeah, I mean, I'm going to miss some greens. I'm like, you are? I'm like, who says? I'm like, perfect is technically in golf is really holding every second shot. And if you're long enough, maybe holding them on par fives. So for double eagles, depending on how far you hit it, right? That's technically perfect. It's not possible. I don't know, maybe, is it possible? It's, not, it's never been done, right? The odds are so remote of that ever happening. So the, the point here is that we define perfect. You get to define perfect. I get to define when I, when I turned in that poster, I got to define which version of my first podcast was good enough to upload it to the platform. I got to decide. You get to decide what's perfect. She decided what was perfect, which was so interesting, which was allowing her to make a certain number of bogeys. I've had other clients who told me that anything under 80 is perfect. <laughs> so interesting, right? It's so interesting that it's, it's really about how we decide what is perfect and that we're willing not to beat ourselves up over that, that we won't judge ourselves for anything worse than that. But the more pressure that you put on yourself, to play perfect golf, you can't play perfect golf. It's impossible. It's impossible for you to swing your best when you have that pressure on yourself not to make a mistake. What if you could go out and just really be super tolerant of your mistakes and enjoy the process, enjoy figuring out how to make a par or a birdie from a mishit shot? What if you could have your own back the whole way around and enjoy the round and have fun? And no matter what you scored, it wasn't relevant to your self-worth or your identity or any of it. Wouldn't the game be so much more fun? Wouldn't you play so much better? It's just something that I want to shed some light on. I want you to notice where perfectionism is showing up for you off the golf course and on the golf course. Notice that how it is a fear. It's a fear of failure, a fear of disappointment, of rejection, of people judging you, of you judging yourself, which boils down to really your identity, your identity as a golfer, your identity and self-worth, because the greater that is, the more tolerant you are of other people judging yourself, the more you'll have your own back, the more you'll be willing to make mistakes and fail. And when you can do that, you can play your best golf. So I hope this helped my friend. All right, best of luck. I'll see you next week. And if you get a chance, 
please make sure that you subscribe, like, or comment. All right. I appreciate it. So if you're interested in taking this work a little bit deeper, you're always welcome to work with me one-on-one or join my masterclass at masteryourgolfbrain.com and you can get started today. See you there.